Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Ulrich Purcell. We're filmmakers with experience in commercials and film as producers, writers, and directors, and we're both currently pursuing our first feature films. And speaking of first feature films, let's talk about endings. And right now, we had a a bunch (laughs) of back and forth over your screenplay um, you showed me some new scenes. I, I commented on the ending of your original screenplay. You rewrote the ending and you showed it to me and I thought it was a lot better, but I still had some ideas about, you know, what makes a good ending. And then we had a, a bunch of back and forth over, over text and email over like what makes a good ending. Right. So can I, can I lay out my argument yeah, uninterrupted and then the, you can, that, yeah, come that's back? the best way to do it because you have a very clear <laughs> argument and I want to, I want to burn it down. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to, cause I can't say that I have a very clear argument because I'm only coming at it from like my explorations on the screenplay that I'm currently writing and like kind of what to me feels like a really satisfying ending. So I'm not, I I can't say that like I know what makes a good ending. I know what makes a good ending for me. And so my suggestion is for anybody who's trying to figure out like how, how do I end my movie is don't go out and look at movies and say, oh, this is how this one ended, um, and they, they did that, so I can do that in my movie. I would look at movies and say, all right, what are movies that I really enjoyed the endings, and why did I enjoy those endings, and kind of reverse engineer them and go look at them. But beyond that, I think you also have to look at the story that they're telling. So Ulrich's screenplay, The Alternate, I would say it's very, it's dramatic in structure. It's a, it's a, drama about a man who's trying to take a life away from somebody else that he thinks he deserves. In our exchanges and text, some of the movies that you brought up, I think, don't fit into that kind of story. So let's say, let's take Jaws, for instance. Right. Regardless of how I feel about that ending, what you feel about (laughs) the ending, Jaws to me, your your film ends very similar to Jaws. And you said to me, well, I like Jaws. I like the way it ends because you cheer when the shark gets blown up and then then it's over and you, you walk out of the theater on a high. The reason that that ending works the way you, you explain it to me is because the whole movie is about this shark and the danger it imposes on this town. The first half of the movie is about how dangerous it is. And the second half of the movie is them hunting it. So the premise of the movie is who's going to win. It's a survival movie, right? Who's going to, who's going to win out? Is the shark going to kill everyone or are they going to kill the shark? So there's that moment of release when the shark is destroyed where you're like, yes, finally, all the tension of the last hour and a half is finally broken. The shark is destroyed. Woohoo! That's what that movie's about. Right. Same thing with Alien. It's a survival movie. It's a monster in the, oh, it's a monster in the house made, movie. I should have right? brought up Alien. That's a perfect example. Yeah. Again, it's a aliens on the ship. Who's going to survive? Is the alien going to win out or are the humans going to kill the alien? So when the alien's defeated, again, 
Woohoo! Aliens dead. Right. Your movie is not that movie. Your I movie's think, I think not my building movie's the closer tension. to that movie than you think it is. And but, when it's so, done, it it'll feel more that way because to me, like without ruining anything, when once the alternate is concluded or that question, then I kind of feel like the movie's there's no point for it to go on. You know. Well, here and, here's I let me just finish my my train of thought. Okay. So with your <laughs> script in particular. For you to end your movie with the death of the hey, antagonist. Whoa, whoa, hey. <laughs> hey, you, we can cut this out. We're just recording this and we right, can put okay. it somewhere else. But for your movie to end with the death of your antagonist, to boil down your whole story to say that the only important thing is to, is which of the Jakes survive, I think is not is not your movie. No, your, not, movie your movie is about somebody trying to get their life back together so in in my head your movie is much more like die hard than it is jaws or alien because in die hard it's a man whose life is kind of is broken and he's and through the course of the movie he pulls it back together so but that's not what i what i would like to see is (laughs) is and I don't think you've done this yet is i think that alt jake could be a little bit more uh, out of touch with what's going on in his own household jake comes in kind of fulfills that for his family and then went through this experience of being thrown into the other world kind of wakes up to the fact like oh shit like i've been a little bit negligent and i have to get my family back or scrap all that he just needs to get his family back so the movie's about him getting his family back not about him defeating the bad guy so after the bad guy's defeated you need a moment where he's gets his family back and so you've done that i'm my i just feel like i as an audience member i might want more but I, it's hard for me to say until i see your movie and how you shoot it but i'm glad you added the extra scene because i feel like you need that extra scene to see the family together because really that's what he's trying to get the defeating jake is to get to him getting his family back and so you kind of need that resolution moment where he does have his family back yeah. Done. Okay, I, go. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think those are some good points. I mean, it's definitely not the movie. It's not the Die Hard movie. I mean, it, it could be that movie, but I think I'd have to to make alternate Jake a much bigger character, especially in the beginning. But the way that the movie's structured, that's kind of impossible because alt Jake serves a different purpose at different parts of the movie. And if I was going to try to fulfill what you're describing, he wouldn't be able to really fulfill the 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 function he's filling in the look in the first dude half. you know your movie better than me i'm not telling you how to tell your story i'm just telling you that if you're gonna take an ending from another movie like jaws or alien you have to also understand but i'm not how taking that, an that, ending from another movie it's my no, no, own no. ending no no it's i know own, it's your own ending like you but you if know, you're saying thing. if you're telling me hey timothy it works because it worked in jaws or timothy it works because it worked in evil dead or timothy it works because it worked in you know from dust till dawn you have to look at how those movies are structured and what those stories are about and then say does that really apply to my movie i think you probably think your movie is less dramatic than it is and your movie really is a drama at heart with this portal kind of acting as a go-between that's and and so because it's a drama i feel like you need for me, for me as an audience member, you need some resolution. And that doesn't mean that every movie does it. And that doesn't mean every movie satisfies me or even every movie ends. And I feel like uh, that movie is 
has a great ending, but I didn't like the movie because the ending was bad. I'm just telling you what what's true to me, and you have to find out what's true to you. And I'm just giving you some guidance on how to to get there. Right. Well, I just I, you know I think you're giving me guidance, and and no matter how hard you try, you can't really break from the kinds of movies you like and like totally. what you want to see in movies. And yeah. you're you're just this you know lead like love the Spielbergian style. You know, actually the- Spielberg has pretty bad endings for the most part. right and i agree <laughs> but like you love that idea of like the emotional resolution and like yes. you know like i think you overall probably prefer happy endings to sad endings too for the most part and yeah i do this, this movie uh doesn't really i i would say you, you could say it's a happy ending but i also could say that it's not a happy ending at all that it's kind of a depressing ending and sort of a, a sad ending and a tough ending in a lot of ways and so I don't really feel like the same like kind of resolution that you get in like a Die Hard or what were the other examples that you gave me? Um, Home Alone. Yeah, Home Alone, Die. I know these are they're so far off, but they were just things that right. I had researched. So Home Alone, Die Hard, and Inside Out. Right, exactly. Like, like, those my, were my those movie, are three movies that to right. me like have very satisfying endings, and I walk out of the movie like happy to be alive, which is the thing that I'm trying to capture in my movies. But I totally understand that that might might not be what you're trying to capture. No. But when you ask me for <laughs> feedback on your script. You have to know that I'm coming at it from the point of view right. of like what I want to see as an audience member. And I, so yeah. if you understand that and you go, well, Timothy wants that kind of movie and that's not what I'm trying to tell. So fuck him. Totally fine. I just <laughs> I can't I have to be true to myself. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I feel like you're sort of narrowing it down to like one type of movie. I'm glad that we talked about Alien and, and these other movies because those are different types of movies that have different types of endings that yeah, I think right. are all good in their own way you know they're just different and i feel like what i'm trying to do with my ending this own thing as well that's that's different and i feel like the idea of um you know with with all jake trying to get his family back and then like it being the movie now being more about you know him getting his family and him being like the protagonist and not really as much about um you know, all J R Jake ruining his life, which is basically what the movie's about. It's not the diehard story. It's more like, you know, your your life's going okay. It could be better, and then you just basically ruin it. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> what my character does. Um, but then the other character, but there's two. There's, but but that it's more complicated because there's like the two versions of the same person. So. I don't know. I mean, if I was to really fully dig into what you were asking for with Alt Jake, it would it would be a different movie. It wouldn't be able to be the same hybrid movie that it is now. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like like I don't know. Like I always get frustrated when movies keep on going, you know? Like like mm-hmm. as a, as per- personally as an audience member, like I feel like most movies could end like a little bit earlier like there's usually like one scene or sometimes even two scenes too many on the end of of movies and not any of the ones that we've discussed but like i just think it's a very you know standard like thing that happens a lot because i think people are searching for the ending that you're describing the endings that you like so much yeah and they're not easy to make yeah so they, they try to get this kind of resolution like ending like thing that feels really satisfactory and and when you fail, it it does it's terrible. <laughs> so instead, you're just gonna cut it off short. No, but I feel like a lot of <laughs> movies like feel like oh that moment would be great. Like I the the story is over. Like this feels great. Let's get out of here. Like I have a lot to think about. And then they yeah. keep on giving you and feeding you more story that doesn't really, you know, 
doesn't that I don't really care about that doesn't really matter to me as an audience member or yeah, right. you know is trying to force that resolution and that feeling of like coming full circle but it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah well i would just encourage you to think deeply about the story you're trying to tell what you want the audience to walk away from which i already know you know those answers and then just do some research and thinking and make sure that the ending that you have in your movie is the best ending for it because and part of the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I feel like I have failed at endings for the past 10 years and I'm only now starting to really care about them. And I feel like <laughs> an ending is, to me, the the lasting impression of a movie. And when I see a good ending, I'm just like, shit, man, that movie was so worth it. You know, like that movie yeah. was so worth to like sit through it. Like, don't justify an ending by pointing to another movie that doesn't really apply to your story, I right. guess is how, I think what that I, when what you see the to. movie, you're going to shit your pants and you're okay, going to love cool. the ending, and Good. and and it, it might even be just as written, <laughs> and and or it could even end the way I atten- originally intended it without that extra scene, and you might even like that even more, you know, yeah. like you, you don't know until you see it because it's all dependent on the way that we shoot it and the way that That's it's so acted true. and and the way. The, the, the timing and all that stuff. Like, I think they're all going to play into how people react to the ending. Um, and I, I kind of honestly think that it's probably going to be a different ty- type of ending, like, like our different scene. Like, I've, I bet those, that scene will get rewritten like a million times between now and when we actually shoot. And that, you know, it'll just keep <laughs> on evolving into something different until we find so the too. one that, that works the best. Um, I think this is just my two cents, but in that scene in the basement the final scene in the basement just spend some time with the family after he gets killed just Mm -hmm. give me that just give me 30 seconds of that they come together and hug or something just i wanted to see how they react to it don't end the movie where he just gets chopped in half and then cut to credits i will be pissed at you (laughs) right (laughs) i want to i I want to cut some of this out because i don't want the whole world to know the ending of the movie although <laughs> i have announced it on it's like on the on in this the script is available on my website and people can read it so like it's not like it's a secret but. mark madrigal did a whole podcast about spoilers and he was just kind of like i think it was mark madrigal and he was kind of like you know what spoilers don't exist like you can't spoil a movie that for someone like even if you tell them the ending that if it's a good movie when you get to the ending it'll f- have the same impact as if you you knew the answer. You didn't know the answer because you're. It's it's the dr- dramatization of it that is interesting and compelling, not the right aha moment. Of well, it. but so I, I want to. I want to worry about because I think people are stupid and not not to not to be an <laughs> asshole or anything. But I think overall, <clears throat> people don't don't they don't think that like right like if they know the ending to the movie, they're like far less interested in, in the movie. Like a lot of people told me like they don't care about Rogue One because they know how Rogue One is going to end because it's a prequel and mm-hmm. we all know what happens at the end of of Rogue One, the beginning of uh, A New Hope. So people are already like, I don't care, you know, like so. You mean from a marketing standpoint? No, from a from a you know just from a moviegoer standpoint like i know people who didn't go see rogue one not because of the reasons that you gave but because of the fact that they already knew what was going to happen in the movie so they don't care mm-hmm. you know and uh it's like you know i was telling them well it doesn't matter because it's like you don't even know the characters yet like you get to meet the characters and all that stuff like 
that's not important. Like we all know how Hamlet ends. We all know how yeah, you right. know Romeo and Juliet. Other, yeah. So, but we still yeah. go to those plays and those movies, and exactly. and we love them. So, I mean, I don't know. I think what what you're saying is true, but people don't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're saying if people know the ending, it's going to be harder for you to convince them to go see it because they're like, right. oh well, I already know how it ends. Exactly. I mean, or maybe they'll say. What? Wait, that's how it ends? I got to see this and see how he gets there. But I think, you know, 90% of the people who listen to this podcast are going to forget about this by the time the movie comes out. <laughs> yeah, I want to worry about talking about it on the podcast. I wouldn't even worry about talking about it when you're pitching the film to well, people. Well, you, ha- you like, have to tell people when you're pitching the film. Yeah. That's what I've learned is that, like, you know, I used to think of this all like, oh. I'll tease them. You em. know, tease them. And I think for, like, <laughs> yeah. the average friend, like, I will do that. That's, like, still, like, my pitch. It doesn't involve the ending. But, like, when you're pitching somebody who you're trying to get to read the script or you're trying to sell it to them you have yeah. to tell them the ending yeah because i think, I think so too. that'll really paint like what they think of it if they're like excited about it or not i wanted to say one thing about endings that i thought was um interesting okay. and, and sort of you know just like the the two movies that i've put out into the world in a big way like strange thing and brother um like i don't know if it was from reviewers or from like comments on facebook or or vimeo or both but I've gotten comments on both of my endings saying that they're cliche. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, some of the critics of my movie, like they're like, oh, the, the strange thing ending is very cliche and predictable for that, for that genre. And mm-hmm. then this, some people said the same thing about brother. And then some other people I remember were commenting like, how could you say that's predictable? Like, what are you insane? <laughs> and they're like, they're like, well, no, the ending itself isn't predictable, but the style of ending is predictable. And it's like, ah, like, well, I don't know. So I'm already not really having a great track record with endings already. <laughs> um, but I don't think I'm going to let that paint the way I do my movies just because a few people or even you or whatever have told me, oh, whatever, you should do your endings like this. Like your endings can't be that way. Do the ending that feels right to you. Like that's your storyteller. You're not right. just a filmmaker, you're a storyteller, and the stories you choose to tell and the way you choose to end them is totally up to you. you and like I said in my text, you're not going to please everyone. Right. You can't. This is impossible. Even the movies that I stated, like Home Alone, Die Hard, and Inside Out, there's haters of those movies. There's haters of those kinds of endings. There's haters of those story styles. So... That's fine. But those are the things that I like. And I and I'm trying to put out into the world like the things that I like. So that way, you know, I'm hopefully building into the canon of, you know, like in my collection of best movies of all time, I want to see my movie go into there at some point, you know, so that's, that's all interesting. Well, what yeah. one uh, one last thing on this endings deal? Um, while we were talking, I was researching endings, and uh, one of the examples I gave was Ex Machina, like that yeah. ending being kind of like a quick, you know, sort of ending that sort of I wanted to replicate in kind of my movie, or that's the kind of style of ending I like. And then um, I found this article that says uh, the Ex Machina ending debate is the movie three minutes too long, <laughs> and they're basically arguing for the ending that my original ending, like basically like the ending in the basement ending, like that's what they wanted out of Ex Machina. It's just as soon as the 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 big resolution happens. Uh, then it should end and we shouldn't get anything like have you seen Ex Machina? Yeah, but I would say the reason that people are saying that is because there's no new information in those last three minutes. So you you reveal that 
the experiment the whole time was she needs she wants to get out of the room and she's manipulated this guy into thinking that she's in love with him and he'll help her escape and then oh shit he's helped her she escapes and she kills them, and it's clear now that she's out in the real world. So mm-hmm. the last three minutes of her going out into the real world is just an elongation of that idea. There's no, there's nothing new in that those three minutes. So that's why I, I think it could have ended well, like right I, I after think, she gets out. Right, but I would I would argue that it's not it's not really about the new information. It's about being with her in the experience of her leaving because yeah, being in I that like house that. is so is like it's like that's her whole life. So when she exits the house and she's outside and she's like walking towards the helicopter, like that's pretty a pretty profound moment, you know? Right, because it's not only that she's released from that room in the house, but now she's released from that house in that area of the world, and right. she's going to be with us on the streets and she could be anybody. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you I could like argue that. the same argument that you just made against that ending. You could probably say about my ending and you could probably say about a lot of endings, you know, <laughs> right. you could probably say that same thing about the diehard ending. Um, but you know, but it's, but I think the point that you're making and that I'm, I'm like, with certain movies I'm going to agree with you on is that it's not really about the new information. It's about the feeling and the characters and like what they're going through and how we experience that with them. Yeah, those that's last true. Minutes, that's true. You know, like I, I think if Die Hard ended with the guy just falling to his death. Oh, my then, God. And then you just see them kind of like walk out of the building and the credits fade. I don't know if it would felt as satisfying as all the things like I wrote to you, like all the stuff that happens in those last four minutes. Like, I right. like all that stuff. Oh, I mean, it's great. Well, I think in that movie, it's really important because the whole the whole movie, like, you know, like he's at odds with his with his wife, like mm-hmm. they haven't seen each other. They're like in this like long month long fight, basically, or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he hardly gets any time with her in the beginning. And then and it's awkward and terrible. And then, you know, you need to see them come together at the end in that way, you know, and and then for the uh, <laughs> for the for her to punch out the news reporter is like such a good like, you know, little button on that movie, you know, I I know that when I was writing movies. I would oftentimes just like justify an ending based off a movie that had nothing to do with my movie. And it's not only until recently that I started like really dig into like endings and like, um, not, not them existing is not proof enough that an ending is good. I fucking love Jaws, but I actually don't really like that ending. I never did. I always remember Mm. feeling a little let down by that ending, but I fucking love that movie, you know? But it's going through the list of movies that I really love and being like, which movies really satisfy me? And then going and looking at them and saying, why do they satisfy me? Like, what is it about that kind of story or that kind of ending that really like resonates with me and makes me really happy that that movie exists? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. So, okay, so the real reason we're here today is because um, (laughs) in all the recent distribution stories and talking about like how to get a return on the investment that we're going to be making into our films, which say 50,000 to $200,000. We're not sure yet, but it really comes down to like giving an audience a reason to want to see your movie, especially at our level where we're nobodies and we may not get like a huge distribution deal. So how do we make a movie that really 
that from just frame one or just the poster image or something like makes people say, I got to see that movie. And one of those things is having a name actor in it, which we all know is like yeah. kind of a distribution tactic is if you have a name actor, it gives your film legitimacy. And a lot of actors just have people that like want to see them. Oh yeah. And, and hopefully they're really good too. Yeah. Right? And hopefully, yeah. And hopefully they're really good. So they'll make your movie better. You've been talking about getting Anthony Mackie in your film. You still, yeah, yeah. still thinking about him? Oh yeah. Big time. Okay. I'm, I got, I, I'm like building myself up to the moment where I'm going to reach out to his manager somehow. And then, um, yeah, like I, I, I hope for the quick, the, either the quick, uh, yeah, I'll take your script or the quick, uh, get, get away, kid. You're bothering me. Like either, either one of those, you know, like just cause like being, like you're saying, being strung out for a long period of time is probably going to be, would be the most frustrating thing to yeah, happen. I know. Um, but also the most likely thing to happen. Um, but, uh, I really hope it goes one of the other ways, you know, because right, you just uh, want to know. Yeah. So I can move on to the next person. I, I was listening yeah. to, um, our friends over at just shoot it. And they were saying that you really can't get, have more than one offer out for a particular role to, to a given, mm. to an actor. Right. And it's like, that's like a faux pas. Like you should. Cause the, yeah. If you send it out to like two people and they both say yes, then you have to like go back to one of them and say, sorry, actually we already got a yes. Yeah, from so that's, else. that's just not done apparently. So I'm not going to be the first one to do it then, you know, <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. That's why you always like kind of put a list together of actors that you want. So you can kind of go down that list one at yeah. a time, except that yeah. article that you sent me, don't have a list, don't have a list. And then at the end of the article, she's like, Oh yeah, we had a list. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get, we'll get to that point. Okay. Cause I think that's an important one. Um, I guess the biggest hurdle that we have is that without an agent or a manager, like how do you get to these name actors? Cause you're going to have to go through their agent and her manager. And if you have no clout and you're just some dude, if you're just like, Hey, this is Ulrich Purcell in San Francisco or Oakland, California. And I'm, I'm doing this feature film and I want Anthony Mackie in it. Why would they take your call? Uh, cause I'm the shit. <laughs> <laughs> cause Ulrich is the shit is how he's going to do it. But I, what I did over the past week is I called a bunch of people um, and just ask them this question like how do I get a name actor attached to my film if I don't have an agent or a manager so here are the sources that I talked to um, a writer and director of a $300,000 film that got John Ratzenberger in it he's Cliff from Cheers Shelly Cole who's from the Gilmore Girls and Cindy Pickett who is the mom in Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm, nice. I talked to a local casting director Nina Henninger who she does a lot of local casting for like the big shows that come through town. Like she helped cast Blue Jasmine when it was here. Mm. Um, what was the big earthquake movie? San Andreas. San Andreas, which yeah. is actually quite good, by the way. Is it? Despite what people say. Interesting. I like it. <laughs> um, so she does, she does like local casting for like those movies. So um, she has some connections. And then Debbie Brubaker, who's a local producer, was helping me with haunted toy house for a while so between the two of them you know haunted toy house is the experience that i'm going to talk about between those two i happen to know the production manager on la la land so i called him um and then i got turned on to a writer director of an indie film that's shooting this year that has josh brolin and ben foster in it wow. and he doesn't have an agent or a manager wow and then i found an article online on filmmaker magazine that we'll post up in the show notes that had 13 ways to cast a-list actors in micro budget films which actually had a lot of the same advice that i heard from everyone so Ulrich, how do you want to do this do you want to go through like 
each individual source and I can tell you what they told me? Or do you want me just to like kind of give you a list of things that I kind of figured out? I, I'm not sure I want to hear way. the writer director uh, who's going to work with Josh Brolin and Ben Foster. I want to hear that story first. Because uh, you're going to not like this story. No, but I want to hear it because not only do I like those actors, I, but Ben Foster is actually on my list. Like he's one that I would love oh, okay. to work with. So, um, and he was awesome in hell on, in, or high water. So, okay. You know. Well, this this story is kind of the typical story you would hear for how an actor like of the, that caliber gets attached to a movie. And the key is dun, 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 Sundance Labs. Oh, yeah. He's a Sundance Labs person. So he said that they submitted their project to Sundance Labs. They were one of the finalists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they got set up with meetings with the with Sundance Labs. Um, they didn't make it in, but the people in Sundance Labs liked them enough to set up some meetings with people, um, which didn't sound like they went anywhere, but just the fact that they were able to say we were Sundance Lab finalists was seems like it was like the key for them to get T-Bone Miller, who is a composer and a producer mm, mm-hmm. he works on the show nashville mm-hmm. they got him attached to their script they they're just like you know who'd be really good for this is t-bone and so they uh found on imdb pro his lawyer's information sent his lawyer um a, a email and asked if t-bone might be interested in jumping on board the other thing that they had with them is they had already shot kind of like a proof of concept um, okay. It wasn't an, a, it wasn't a scene from the movie. It wasn't even a short. It was just like multiple scenes. It was almost kind of like a style thing, uh, including one of the actors that they wanted in to use like uh, one of their friends and to show that they could pull it off. And it wasn't like done like super slick and and polished. They did it with like the equipment they had for really cheap, but just to kind of show that they could do it. Hmm. So they told T-Bone, like, hey, we were finalists in Sundance Labs. We think you'd be a perfect fit for the music and the producer. Here's a proof of concept. Um, we hope that he responds well because they're talking to his lawyer. Once he was attached, then he started, like, saying, you know, who'd be good for this is, you know, Josh Brolin. And I and I know him, you know. And then, oh, yeah. You know, and, uh, then, so. and then, oh, here's some producers. The producers of Little Miss Sunshine in Nebraska. Let's get them on board. And once they started pulling that package together, then it was a lot easier to reach out and get actors because they had right. they had a tight package of like already really awesome people. So his huh. advice was build your team first. You know, right. he says it's like building a brick wall. You have to do it one brick at a time. And the first brick for them was Sundance Labs. Second brick was T-Bone. Third brick was um, producers of Little Miss Sunshine in Nebraska. And then they started getting actors. And then once they had that package, it was it's easier to get money. So what did he say what his budget of his movie was? No. And I feel weird too. Cause I didn't tell him I was going to talk about share it. this information on the podcast. I just called him as like a filmmaker, like dude, fellow filmmaker here. Can oh, you tell okay. me like how this happened? So my guess is it's, it's millions of dollars at this point, given the team that he has around millions it. of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, probably like a $4 million movie. Yeah, which is like, you know, to me, insane. Is it is this going to be his first movie? It's his first movie. Oh, my God. See, that's how it happens. You know, Sundance Labs, uh, yeah. T-Bone, T-Bone Miller, and uh, you're, off, you're off to go, you know? The thing to learn from this is to start with the obvious solutions. Like, 
submit to Sundance Labs. And if you don't get into Sundance Labs, then move on to the next thing. I submit did to submit to Sundance. Yeah, Labs, exactly. You did it. I did too. Like submit to um, San Francisco Film Society grant. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. submit to those things because if you can get in them, I mean, the story shows like how fast things kind of like gain momentum. Fruitville Station's an example of it. Beasts of the Southern Wild. You know, it's like a lot of the indie movies that we've heard of came through these channels. So. I think they're good channels to start with. And then if you don't make it, then you go on your own. So Well, that wasn't the story I was hoping for. I know. That's a, that's the typical story. So yeah. the next story, you know, $300,000 feature done locally or with local people in San Francisco is probably a better yeah. version of it. But you also hear like the actors that he got in his movie were like much lower caliber than Josh Brolin. Right. Well, he really <laughs> um, probably didn't go for Josh Brolin, you know. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. So let's talk about that movie. Um, so he got, what did I say? John, uh, Ratzenberger, John Ratzenberger, who's yeah. Cliff from Cheers, Shelley Cole, and Cindy Pickett, who are much smaller actors. Can we say what movie this is um, so we can sure. see it and stuff? Sure. What is it? He, does, he also doesn't know I'm talking about this on the podcast, but fuck it. Uh, it's called uh, The Village Barbershop. Okay. Cool. And when did it come out? 2008. 2008. Okay. Yeah, cool. so this is this is a few years ago. So he, he's like me; he's in advertising, and um, he needed help with casting. And so his idea was, I'm going to reach out to a casting director and see if they'll help me get actors for my film. So through people he knew in advertising, he found out about a a casting director in LA that had worked on feature films, but was interested in getting into the commercial world. And so he leveraged that to get her to help him for free. Mm. And so um, he gave her casting specs. He did not say in the casting specs, I'm looking for name actors. He just said, I just want really good actors. This is how much I have to spend. He already had raised his money. Mm. This is how much I have to spend. This is what I'm looking to shoot. And then she um, pulled seven actors per role and he went down to LA for a day and he sat down with each actor and had a conversation. And so in talking to people and knowing in the back of his mind, well, I, it will really help me in, with distribution if I get name actors. Like that's part of the reason he ended up with some of the people he did was because they came in and he's like, well, I kind of know who this guy is or I know who this girl is. So they'll help me get the movie distributed. Right, right. And did and that prove to be true? He did get distribution. Okay, cool. So I remember he told me his distribution deal wasn't as good as some of the other ones he got offered, but it did include a theatrical run, which he really wanted. Mm. And it ended up on Star's channel, and it ended up on Netflix. So his recommendation uh, was find a director that you really admire that you like their casting and then see if you can get their casting director to help cast your film. Mm, Okay. That makes sense. So you go after the casting director. Yeah. So his, his whole thing is the casting director route, which is actually the route that I was going with haunted toy house when I had Debbie Brubaker attached to my script and um, Nina Henninger helped cast spirit machine. So I already know her. And so I asked her on haunted toy house, like, Hey, Nina, here's a list of actors that I want to reach out to. Like, can you help me get the script out to agents and managers? And she said, yeah, but I'm not sure if I need, if you need funding before you approach actors. So let me check with Debbie. And then she asked Debbie and um, 
Debbie said, yeah, you need full funding before you can reach out to actors. Well, that isn't true, but <laughs> this is what, this is what their advice was is like, um, so De- Nina, the casting director said from the casting side, it's important to have funding to approach name actors because she has to go through their LA agents. And the first thing the agents are going to ask her is what is the budget? Who is the director? And what is the offer? So their advice was, um, you get all your money together, you put a schedule in place, and then you go to the agents and you you don't even need a casting director to do this. I think you could probably do this yourself, but if you have the, you can put together a deal memo and you can say, here's what I'd like to offer Anthony Mackie for my film. It's shooting May 5th through 15th. We need him for four days and this is what we're offering. And apparently if you make an offer um, to an agent, they legally have to share that offer with their client. Right, exactly. And right. I've heard the same for managers too, that like, even if you don't have up your budget, if you make an offer to a, to a manager, then they also legally have to share it with their client. Mm-hmm. That's what someone else told me. And so like, and they said basically like what you just said, like, you know, agents are going to only take you seriously if you have your budget in place. And they're all that they care about is, yeah, what the offer is, when you're going to shoot, all that stuff. Yeah. But that if you approach managers, managers are usually a lot more, um, f- like filmmaker friendly. And their job isn't really as much about like trying to negotiate, like they can't negotiate rates, right? Right. Like that's not yeah. part of their job. That's the agent's job. But what they are there to do is like help grow the actor's career. So they're more like about like, yeah, like what, what will this movie like take my act, the actor to the next level? Like, will it like get him the kind of roles that he's not getting now or that she's not getting now? You know, mm-hmm. like, is this going to like help their career in a, in a really great way, even though it's not going to make them any money, but is it really like the perfect role for them to like, take them to new to in a new direction you know right. it's like anthony mackie everyone sees him as the falcon but this film you can make the plea to their manager that this film is going to break him out of that they're going to see him in a dramatic role it's going to be a black man in a sci-fi film which is totally unique so it's going to get a lot of press it's going to get a lot of word of mouth like and the manager might see that as like a, a something that anthony's looking for It'd be like you right. know what let's exactly. talk to him exactly and that like you know just because you don't have your budget in place um, that's not, a, that's not like a, you know, it's a hindrance of course, but like, it's not, uh, it doesn't take you out of the running altogether. Like, and what the, this producer who was telling me about this, like she was just saying that just be very clear, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, talk about like what, what your budget is, how much your, you know, what your offer is to the actor. And then, and then be clear, like, yeah, with this letter of intent, um, from, from your client, I know that I can raise the budget to get this movie made. And, um, and, and we could shoot, you know, uh, in, in the fall season for it, for instance, you know, and mm-hmm. then maybe the manager would be like, well, what, what I think might happen is if they actually are interested, then they'll be like, well, he has a, um, you know, a schedule, like his, he's got a break in his schedule for like this month. Like, could you shoot in this month, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, geez, like, let's get the letter of intent. Let me raise the money. And if I have that, like, that's my, my shoot month, I could just schedule the shoot then and then just, you know, tear, tear it up, getting that money together. Because I think, you know, if you get, tell people, you know, our schedule is set, we have this actor, but we need to raise the money, like, before then, I, I don't know. I feel like you, you'd be able to get it done 
um, a lot of e- maybe even easier than if you didn't have a start date, you know, because there's like, you know, the train's leaving the station, like this thing's happening. You know what I mean? I think you're going to have an easier time getting an, a manager on the phone if you have money and you have a schedule. Um, but I think it really depends on the manager and like their individual personality. So it's like, it's worth trying. Um, yeah, I think I mean, if you can if you can get a a personal connection to that manager, an introduction, you'll have it just like in any any business and trying to get right. a, you know trying to get your foot in the door. You all Rick Rossell just writing Anthony Mackey's manager out of the blue pro- might not get a response. It might. It's worth right. a try, but I right. wouldn't go after an, an agent unless I had money and a schedule. Oh yeah, no, I've been told to stay away from agents altogether, <laughs> <laughs> just to not even bother with them. Yeah, um, and and I mean, but the thing is, like, I don't really have another option. Like, I I, I know I can't raise two hundred fifty thousand dollars alone, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, or if I if I would if I could, it would take me like two years, you know. And I don't want to spend two years fundraising because I'm not a, I'm not trying to be a fundraiser. I'm trying to be a filmmaker, you know. Yeah. So it's more about like how can I actually make this come together um, in a way that makes sense, rather than you know trying to like you know get any dollar I can, and then like you know after like three to six months end up with fifty thousand, and then be like you know whatever super short um, mm-hmm. towards you know actually getting the money together. So I don't know. That's just sort of the way that I. I want to approach it, you know. Um, I just don't think that the old like, yeah, like I, I, like I don't know, man. Like it's hard for me to visualize like getting two hundred fifty thousand dollars together and then starting the movie. <laughs> that just seems that seems more crazy than getting a manager to, uh, you know, pass the script to one of their clients and then getting them to to give me a letter of intent. That seems way more reasonable and possible than raising two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Um, on my own. So you your know? your budget's kind of contingent right now on getting a name actor attached to it. Yeah, well, for that movie, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I don't think that so it's, you have a little bit of a, yeah, you have an uphill battle to fight. Yeah, but I mean, you know, well, start doing it, man. Like, don't wait. Right. You got It's gonna take a while. Yeah, I mean, th- th- so is there any, what else did you learn? Did you learn anything, any other stories or any other? Yeah, so the last story is from the unit production manager on La La Land. Um, he's probably not like the best person to ask about this. I just thought he, it would be interesting to find out what he thought. Um, so here, he, he didn't have like a straight answer for me. He went kind of like all around coming up with like a bunch of ideas. So his first idea was, the six degrees of separation thing like be a sleuth figure out some connection you have um anybody that might know anthony mackie in any way whether it's like one idea was like what if you found out which movie he's currently shooting and look at the crew list and find out if you know any of those crew members so you can get the script in front of them that way it's like any way that you can get uh, actually he said synopsis not the script just a synopsis of your film in mm. front of anthony mackie like do that like try to avoid going through a manager going through agent and go directly to him through any personal connection no matter how small it is um and he said you're gonna have to convince that person first before they'll pass it on but if you have a personal connection it might not be that bad right that's yeah, hard I mean, that's hard for us in san francisco that aren't connected with pretty much anyone in LA, right? 
Yeah, and it's hard in general because, like, you know, that person is going to have to be willing to put themselves out on <laughs> on a ledge right. for you, you know? And it's like, I, I mean, I, I can tell you that, like, a lot of people that I know now that I, that I like, know well would, wouldn't would necessarily do that for me, you know? Yeah. But, like, but they, let alone, like, somebody I worked with once, <laughs> you know, like, two years ago, like, hey, remember me? We we were grips together on this, or oh, I PA'd on this thing that you you gripped on. Oh yeah, you're working with Anthony Mackey. Like, uh, yeah, would you pass my synopsis? It's like <laughs> it's like the most insane thing to ask ever in the first place. Yeah, you know, and uh, Can't even it's imagine. like you know, most people don't even talk to like you know, they're either intimidated or they're just not they're con- they're not connected to them. It's like you know, like I mean, unless they're super duper cool. Like, and a lot of actors are super duper cool and they're like, we'll just, they're just like one of the, the, the crew, you know, but, but yeah, that's just like a big ask. That's so a big ask. <laughs> I don't like know. Here, I, here's another way that he said, like, okay. uh, look for a producer that's done two to three jobs with him in the past because they okay. probably have a relationship with him and then reach out to that producer and, and make your plea to them and try to get them to like get on your, on board. Yeah, that's what it's interesting about his manager because his manager also has produced a few projects that he's huh. either attached to or that he's been in. Yeah. So I, I that's kind of why I feel like the manager is a good person because maybe he would even see some interest in producing the movie potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I kind of like have my my heart set on the manager. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, that's good. The other thing is like producers seem really difficult. Like I, every every chance I've had to like reach out to producers has been just as bad as reaching out to <laughs> an actor. Like they just yeah. don't respond to me. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, I think I do need to do that though. Like I do need to go through um, like IMDb and like find producers who are making the movies that I like and then just reach out to those producers. Like I've already have a little bit of a list going, but I think that is probably something that's worthwhile to like try to get the 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 log line or the synopsis in front of producers and see if that'll spark some interest and see if they'll want to come on and, and help me make the movie because you know once you get the producer on board i think if they're connected it, it, things are going to move a lot quicker mm-hmm. um but like uh, this other i don't know if i talked about this on talked about this on the podcast yet but uh, an, a director um was giving me some advice this guy who's la based and I was talking about trying to get a producer on board. And he's like, you're not going to be able to get a producer on board your movie. Like, you're basically going to be, like, calling them, <laughs> asking them to hire you on your own project. It's like, that's not going to happen. Like, if you bring them something they like, the first thing they're going to want to do is replace you. Because you're not going to give them any leverage on getting the movie made, you know? Yeah. That was a very cynical sort of um, response and... and um you know, reaction. And I mean, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but I mean, I don't think that I'm going to like let that advice or that point of view stop me from reaching out to producers, you know? Yeah. Well, this is not easy because we don't live in Los Angeles, but probably the best way to reach out to a producer would be to send them a very short email and say, Hey, I'm a, a producer in San Francisco. Can like, I sit down and have coffee with you and pick your brain for half an hour. Yeah. And then build a relationship with them. And then once you've like kind of established a relationship, then you could be like, you know what? I'm actually making this feature film 
And I, I noticed that, you know, Anthony Mackie, like, is there any chance that you would help me like get my script in front of him? Just like if anyone was reaching out to you or me, if they come at us with like a huge long email, like, hey, Timothy, I'm this guy with and I've done all this stuff and I need your help. I probably would ignore it. But if it was just like somebody that reached out and said, hey, Timothy, I'm a local filmmaker. Can we sit down and like have coffee? I'd be like, yeah, let's let's hang out. As soon as you, you know, feel like they want something from you, it's it's a lot of times if you don't know them, you're just like, whoa, okay, I'm I'm not interested. There's lots of theories on how this, this to do this, you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of people say like, you know, your first ask is just to like get a response just mm-hmm. to like for them to like even just say hello. And then the next ask is like, yeah, like I would love to pick your brain and ask you some questions and meet for coffee. And then like the next thing is like, so you just build your way up to like your, what your real ask is like, you know, 10 asks down the line. Yeah. You know? Like you yeah. never start with your big ask. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of do that, but I kind of just, I'm more of a straightforward, straight shooter. Yeah, you, you know? are. I, I don't know if that's always like the best way to approach people, especially well, since we're outsiders. We're in San Francisco. <laughs> I don't feel like an outsider, but that's just because I'm full of myself. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, the just shoot it guys were talking a little bit about this. Um, they had somebody on their podcast that had reached out to one of them early on in their career and just wanted to like meet them. Right. And on the first email, he ignored her. Right. And she was able to get an introduction to him through a friend of his. And then yeah. he paid attention. Yeah. He didn't even remember the first email. That was really funny. That was a great episode. Um, one of the really good ones. <laughs> I think you always have to put yourself in the receiver seat. And maybe a lot of filmmakers aren't in that position, but I guess I've, I'm lucky that I'm a producer at an agency, so I get a lot of emails of people that want to work with me, want to work with the agency, and so I'm used to getting that kind of like solicitation. Right. So I kind of know what works and what doesn't work, and pretty much anyone that reaches out to me that I don't know that I have no connection to that's like, Hey man, I really liked your work on this last commercial. I want to work with you in the future. Like, give me a call. Let's talk. I just ignore it. But there's people that have reached out that I didn't know they had an ulterior motive, which I probably should have, but they're just like, Hey, really appreciate, or really like the work that you're doing. It could be, can like, we sit down for a cup of coffee. I'd like to find out, I'd like to hear from you, like what it's like to work on the agency side. Like I'm a producer in film or, you know, something like that. And I'll be like, yeah, let's get together and I'll, I'll tell you everything I know. And then I'll find out later. They're like, Hey, you guys hiring over there or, (laughs) (laughs) but it's always, it gets me out of the office and it gets me in front of them. If I feel like they just want to kind of get some knowledge and they want to understand like about advertising because they're from a different industry or, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. I think it always helps. It always I always respond to things where it feels like I'm needed and not wanted, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I also think that like in, in the position of the person reaching out to you, it's like like trying to figure out what you can offer them that uh you know, that they could they could want. Like so it's you're not just only asking, but like maybe you have something that you can give in return in some way, you know, or like something that like you're, it's like you're not only getting something out of it, but you're also solving a problem for them. You know, Mm -hmm. like they're, I think the just shoot it guys, I think this is also script notes. So they're talking about like, you know, if you're trying to get a manager or an agent or you're trying to, 
go after a job. It's not like, oh, please, please hire me. Please, please sign me. <laughs> it's more like I have this really amazing idea that you're really going to like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to share it with you. Because they all want, like everybody wants the ma- the next amazing story, the next amazing whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can like pre- present yourself as as that or or as potentially that i think they'll have more interest in in talking to you you know i like the idea of just like you know making it more simple like hey like i love your work i'd love to meet up and take you out to coffee and uh you know and just and just learn like i'm trying to make my my first movie like i'd love any advice you have would be really great totally well what happens when i've done that before is like oftentimes if if my ask is like that exact ask like oh i'd love some advice and get my first feature made the person who i know makes features and who i know knows how to make a movie will say well i just do blah i'm not going to be able to really help you figure out what you're looking for (laughs) but i'd love to help any way i can you know then maybe it's like maybe it's like being more specific but i I feel like it was almost too specific like they they like they Uh, were like oh you know like they're they like because you had a specific ask they they figured out a way to write themselves out of that ask you know like oh i'm not qualified to help you with what you want to do you know but I was um, thinking, like, you're at a and a with, like, a really famous filmmaker, and you ask him, like, what's your advice for an up-and-coming filmmaker? It's, like, kind of, like, a big question. Right, right, <laughs> You know, yeah. it's, like, but if you can distill it down to, like, um, if you were making films right now, like, where would you get the money to make your first film? You know, like, right. that's a very much more specific question. Like, maybe that's what it takes is to say to a producer like hey i'm just about to embark on my first feature film as someone who's already made feature films i would love to pick your brain on like how i can get uh a name actor attached to to my movie without having an agent or manager would you be willing to like talk to me on the phone for a little bit or sit down for a cup of coffee yeah you know so it's not such a broad question it's much more much more like pointed Right. And then yeah. maybe what will happen is they'll say yes. And then when they sit down, they're like, well, who are some of the people you're thinking of? And you're like, oh, Anthony Mackie. And this, and they're like, Anthony Mackie. I know that. I know that dude. We've worked together. Right. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't realize that. <laughs> well, I think that's obviously they're going to know that, you know. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the, just a few more and then we can wrap this up. But okay. um, some other ideas he had was like, does Anthony Mackie work with a nonprofit that? Oh yeah, you can, oh, geez. that you can feels dirty though. Already, reach out to like, maybe they can help you get in touch. He was just throwing stuff out. Um, I don't know, like going after a nonprofit to like try to get an actor to star in your movie. It's like, geez, the nonprofit has enough problems. But to deal what with. if you already work with the nonprofit? You know, you're already like right. connected to him somehow. Um, yeah. For me, he was like, has he worked on a commercial that you know of? Like, can you talk to somebody who worked on that commercial? Can they make an introduction to the, his his agent or manager on your behalf? Right, right, right. Um, a family or friend in the business, obviously. So those are all kind of just, just being sleuthy and just trying to figure out if there's any connection, any small connection that you might have to right. either him, his agent, or his manager somebody that knows him what we just need to do is get this podcast big enough so that his manager listens and And then then we just be like anthony mackie and then people just start writing us emails exactly oh yeah here reach out to (laughs) here's the email for blah 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 and just be reset (laughs) okay and then he also made the suggestion of finding a casting director 
He says, okay. if you can make make your plea to a casting director about what you're doing with your movie and get them on board, that's one way to do it. And then the other was, he's like, a lot of actors now just have vanity production companies and they yeah. have somebody that's paid to answer the phones and read scripts. So it's like, find out if they have a phone number and just simply call them and just be like, hey, I have a script for Anthony Mackie. Can I send it to you? Yeah. And they'll... Depending on how bored they are, their their office job, they'll be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, so, they'll, or they'll be like, mm, nah. <laughs> he, and then his final advice was like uh, that um, he says eventually agents and managers are going to get involved. Like at any point where like you get, let's say you get through to him without an agent or a manager and he says, yeah, like I'm totally interested. You will be talking to his agent and manager at some point. So right. he said, I recommend you be careful with how you talk to agents and managers before you get to him because if you set like a bad tone with an agent or a manager up front and then it gets back to them eventually they could kill the deal just because they didn't like you and you left a bad impression so right you know just he he was he was actually kind of strongly recommending just don't even like talk to them at all until the point comes where a deal is to be made Right, right. Yeah, I've heard that from other people. I think that's also like kind of a more old fashioned sort of yeah. kind of like, I don't know, precautious sort of thing. Um, you know, I don't think I'd waste an agent's time just because there's almost no reason for me to be calling an agent. But I think a manager, <laughs> like, nah, I don't know, like, I don't I don't really see the harm. And I'm like, it's not like I'm an asshole or anything, you know, so I don't, I don't think I'm really... I don't think there's a lot I could do to really piss them off, you know, um, especially if I have a clear ask and I'm not, and I'm not like being untruthful, you mm-hmm. know, I think, I think the moment you start lying, I think then, then that's probably bad. You know, if you're like, oh yeah, I have my budget raised or whatever. And then you don't have your budget raised. I think those are the kinds of things that you absolutely don't want to do. Right. Like you just right. want to be truthful, honest and straightforward. I think so. And either they're going to say, yeah, or they're going to help you out or they're not, you know? Yeah. Right. So yeah. the list that I've kind of come up with, um, the based on every all the advice that I got in the article that I read online, is start with the material, of course, right? Um, but rather than just think about it as like a script, also try to build other assets. So um, the guys who got Josh Brolin on board also had storyboards done. They worked mm-hmm. with like a pretty famous storyboard artist. They invested their own money to get those done, and they invested in shooting uh, like proof of concept. And for me, that also helped with Spirit Machine because what right. happens is if you just have a script, it's harder to make people realize how serious you are, especially as like a first time feature filmmaker. So right. the more things you have, the, the what I experience is when I showed people all the stuff that I had done. Like here are my concept boards that I paid a company to make here is the script breakdown that I paid a first AD to do for me they're kind of like oh shit dude you're serious you're not just like a guy with the script that's you know hoping and wishing this will come to life like you've already put some work into it so right. create some materials number two try the obvious solutions first things like Sundance Labs the San Francisco Film Society grants um, reaching out directly to producers Whatever you can do, like to like get your script right into like the top ranks. If, right. When those don't work, 
then you just have to assemble a team, you know, build your team one by one. I also did this on Spirit Machine where it's like I started talking to people I knew and be like, will you help me out with this? Will you help me out with this? And the more people I got on board, the the bigger the project became until it had so much momentum, like it was just kind of hard to stop. And that's the same thing that I was kind of being told by the guys who got Josh Brolin attached to their film was that they just started small, you know, that first we're going to do storyboards and then they applied to Sundance Labs and they got that piece of the puzzle and then they got T-Bone on and it's like piece by piece by piece, it became big enough then they could attract a name actor to it. So and right. I think that applies no matter what level you're at. If you can build a team around your script, no matter how famous they are, even if it's just like a team of local filmmakers, just to show that there's people behind it and it's not just you, I think is is good too. Right. I think it's important to try to raise the money and set a shoot date if you can. I know it doesn't sound like it's possible with you, but from my experience on the agency side, like I can't talk to an agent until I know what my shoot dates are and how much I'm willing to offer. So if, but that's, of course, I think Ulrich, you came up with a good solution with going to managers. I think that is interesting, but I would kind of put that more towards the um, number two, the try the obvious solution would be kind of where the manager is. It's like, let's just try and see what happens. Right. But if that doesn't work, then you're going to have to go to that step of like, just raise the money and set a shoot date and then book your actors. And if you can't do it for the $250,000 budget that you need, then you're going to have to change it to what you can actually raise. Right. Or it's the second movie, which I think is something I've kind of come to terms with a little bit more, like realizing that maybe the alternate's not my first feature. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's my second feature. Um, But I I don't know. Like I still have to just try because if I don't try, um, I, I'll, I'll always feel like, well, why, why didn't I just try? Yeah, don't <laughs> compromise yet. You haven't even tried yet. Yeah, I yeah. gotta like, like try, and then, and then if that doesn't work, then I can, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm basically, once I either take your notes or don't take your notes that you gave me yesterday, like I, I'm basically <laughs> yeah. gonna be done with the alternate nice. for now. I mean, it's gonna change. It's and, always and gonna, gonna change. I'm gonna keep on writing on it, but uh, I'm pr- pretty much gonna put that on the back burner um, as far as script wise and then start writing the brother feature and then make that like the like try to put an hour to writing that every day and then you know really block my time out so it's like yeah an hour towards um writing brother and then like maybe two hours towards um you know alternate prep of some kind you know and like try to make that like my my schedule for my day you know and then the rest of the time is like for whatever freelance projects and stuff like that right um that's cool okay so number five I said, oh, con- still, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, there's two more. <laughs> connect, connect, connect. You have to connect <laughs> to as many people as you possibly can because the more connections you have, the better chance you are, are of getting a direct connection to the person you need to talk to. And then number six, like the whole make a list thing. Um, that article said, like, don't make a list. I would say make a list, but be flexible. Like, right. You, you might not get Anthony Mackie, but. And then some the agent or manager might come back to you and say, Anthony's not available, but I have this other actor that is. You have to be flexible to say like, okay, well, that guy's not on my list, but that guy could be really cool. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's never, I don't think that's ever really been a question for me. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I, I realized that like the first 10 people on my list are probably not going to be <laughs> actors well, I can get. And the other thing too is like you're coordinating schedules between multiple roles. So you also aren't, aren't the chances that you're going to get 
like your three actors lined up for the same shoot dates at the same time is very slim so just be prepared to make compromises and maybe choose like who's the actor that you really really want and then the other people you can compromise on depending on the shoot dates and who's available right but that's it seems to me like the whole like availability thing is such a huge part of it that you can't have like just a perfect list in your head of like it's got to be these three people or no one at all because the chances that you're going to get those three people available on the same date is just it's so slim i mean anyone who's produced anything in their life just knows how hard it is to get three people together that yeah even on our level like three actors that just work local non-union actors that work locally sometimes it's hard to schedule like a shoot around them yeah so imagine if you're like a-list actors in hollywood right yeah that's even crazier <laughs> yeah yeah well i think that's great advice thanks for for doing all that research and sharing yeah. it all appreciate it i you're mean welcome. i was really excited about this episode because you kind of had done something that I sort of felt like I should be doing, like doing these these interviews and asking these questions and reaching out to these people. But I've been so busy just trying to get the movie done and, and trying to make things happen that I haven't really had time to do that. Um, but yeah, but hearing everything, it's sort of depressing because it's all the same stuff. <laughs> it's that you all hear and, the same old bullshit. But right. there, where's the story of like someone who got Josh Brolin just by like their mom's friend knew like his sister or something. Well, like that. even that is, doesn't really excite me. It's more I like, guess, I right. want I want to hear the story of like the person who got Josh Brolin by calling their manager and presenting them the idea. You right. Know? Like that's the story I want to hear, but I don't know if I'll ever hear that story. You know, I, we haven't heard that story. And so maybe it doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, I've heard it from other people, but oh, okay, good. But well, yeah, let's, let's have them on the podcast. Right. Right. But you know, they're more like, yeah, they, they uh, got them attached and, and, you know, whatever. But then they had to drop out for this and that reason or whatever. <laughs> but, right. then, but then it led us to getting X person, you know. Yeah, so right. I think it's all just a journey and it's going to work out differently for everybody. But uh, you, I think you just need to go on it and see what happens. Yeah. Didn't uh, Tony have a story about trying to get Danny Glover attached to his Oh, movie? yeah. Yeah, he did. Where he'd like just show up at events where Danny Glover was and just be like, Danny! We want to talk to you. Yeah, I think he did something like that. It was pretty, it sounded pretty exciting and pretty interesting. I think it didn't end up working out, but, uh, but yeah, I don't and know. Sending him like gift baskets. Yeah, like here's a gift basket with like wines and cheeses and fruits. To me, who wants a gift basket? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, I think it's all you gotta do. Be creative and figure things out, you know. And I think it's cool that Tony's trying things like that. And I would love to hear. What, what kind of success he's had in in doing in going that route you know i'm yeah. sure he's had quite a bit i imagine yeah tony write us an email if you've had like a huge success are we gonna share stuff this week or we went oh, too long shit. again oh my gosh well that's fine we i have so much stuff to share uh what do you have to share you start nothing i don't know um well i got a few listener things so the first is we got a message from uh, Mark Troy on Facebook, he listens to the show and he's created a film event called the Single Take Challenge. It's an international contest where filmmakers make short films all in one take, any genre, any length up to eight minutes maximum. He heard our episode with Jim Cummings and um, reached out to him and made him one of the judges. So um, starting March 15th, they will be accepting entries. So if you have a single take film or you want to make a single take film, then you could submit on Film Freeway. And guess what? 
Our show has a discount code. What? 20% off of your submission fee. The uh, code offer is Inside20. Wow. Inside20. That's cool. Yeah. It's like our first sponsor. <laughs> kind sort of. of. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. So go check that out. And then we have two new iTunes reviews, which oh I'm so gosh. excited about. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank wow. you. Thank you. Are you going to read them? Review. Yeah. So Jill Harrigan, who has also oh, been wow. very vocal on Twitter recently, has left us a review. And she says, last year, I had an epiphany about my life. I want to be a filmmaker. I always knew that, but I never let it take hold like I should have. Now I work in the sales department at a corporation, and this podcast is my connection to the film world during my nine to five. It keeps me motivated. It reminds me that as long as I keep at it, something will happen, even if that something is simply that I make a film, because making a film in itself is quite the feat. Keep up the great work, guys. Wow. What an Inspired. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I've, I think I've read a few uh, posts or comments from Jill o- over, you know, the last whatever, since she started listening. So yeah, thanks to Jill for yeah, being a big, big time supporter. And then this next one's from... I think it's John Leask, J-O-N-L-E-A-S-K. As someone who is relatively new to the process of making movies, I am grateful for the great information that is shared on this podcast. I also really appreciate the authentic nature of the discussions and topics shared here. The hosts are genuine and give great insight into a constantly, constantly evolving industry. I highly recommend this podcast to anyone who feels like they have a story inside them that needs to be told. Wow. Awesome. Thank you, John. That's a really amazing freaking review, man. Dude, we're we're inspiring filmmakers all over the world. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm hard enough, hard enough time staying inspired myself. I mean, right, we're just trying to inspire each other or yeah. inspire ourselves sometimes. The motivation is, is the hardest part. Yeah, totally. It, it is hard to stay motivated sometimes, but yeah, I don't know. I think the podcast for me just keeps me going. Talking to you every week gives me fire to uh, keep keep on yeah, trying stuff. It's fun. Yeah. Well, had we not spent twenty five minutes talking about um, story endings, then probably <laughs> would be right on target. But right, we're, we're exactly. a little long. That's fine. We're all we've been long like the last three or four episodes. Like we can't not be long for some. That's reason. because we've been so irresponsible and like choosing topics, and we try to squeeze in too much. We yeah. have so much to talk about nowadays that we just like we try to fill our episodes with too many things. We could have just done an hour on getting actors attached to scripts. Yeah, I want to know from the listeners, like, should we only keep the episodes an hour? Or is it okay if they go an hour 15, an hour 10 every once in a while? Try not to make it like a regular thing. But I mean, do you guys get annoyed when they're longer than an hour? Let us know. Because like, I kind of feel like it should be an hour and only an hour. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to take us out because this has gone far too long. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. You can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode, including the article about um, Ex Machina. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll have anything to share about the movies uh, or how to get actors attached. But that we have one, one article. article. That'll, one yeah, article. That'll be there. And my least. list. My, my six-point my six list. Timothy's six-point program. 
Um, yeah, that sounds, uh, no, I want that. I want, I want to put that on my wall. Six points. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. And if you like the show, you can just tell a friend, help us get the word out, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher if you want. Or if you're famous, just tweet us like crazy to like your million followers. And then that would be a big help. Um, but yeah, just, I think honestly, just talking about the show and, and telling a friend or even if it's digitally or just in person, I think that's almost the most important thing to me, but, uh, I don't know. And tell us if you like it. I also want to hear more from listeners. I feel like we haven't really been hearing from <laughs> listeners lately. You got to reach out to listeners. You got to, you got to do your job and get on Twitter and I'm, and I'm reaching to out through the podcast, man. No, it doesn't work that way. You no. got to be active. Like, I okay. feel like I hear from listeners all the time. That's because you're like, crazy with the twitter because i'm um, always on there and i'm reaching out to people and i'm commenting on their posts and then they reach back out to uh, me it's like i yeah. write them dms and ask them about like oh i see you're making a feature film like what's your budget and how did you raise the money and things like that like do it man so you're basically the best and i'm the worst <laughs> that's, that's what, what I'm I'm, that's what this whole episode is adding up to right exactly <laughs> i think that's pretty clear um well thanks timothy for a great episode thank you it's fun All right, see ya.